What shakes up your life? Preventing you from being still. It's a beautiful verse. Be still and know that I am God. And we're going to focus on that verse and the verses leading up to it in the 46th chapter of Psalm this morning. But let's begin with that question. What shakes you up? There's moments in our lives, especially things that, that were completely unplanned, that came as a surprise, where, where life is disrupted in some way, in kind of a disturbing way. It might be just a momentary thing that shakes you and something that you saw that it really bothered you, but maybe it won't, it's nothing you necessarily have to deal with going forward, but if it happened to you, then your, your whole life could be shaken for an indefinite period of time. And when I say shaken, I don't just mean bothers you a little bit. I mean, we, we lose focus. We, we can't concentrate. We, um, it, it, it gets difficult. Maybe it almost seems really impossible to get still. Still. Quiet. For all of the focus we have this time of year on words like peace, we have it? Do we make an effort to be at peace? At peace with God? At peace with our family, with our friends, with the, our neighbors, our co-workers, the people we interact with? In as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, Paul writes. And so, things that shake us up can disrupt peace. Things that shake us up can keep us from being still. The time this 46th Psalm was written, it was a world where what shook you up was not just personal matters, it was national matters. A very violent time where war was um, almost a constant threat no matter what nation you lived in. And nations were much smaller, uh, especially going back to Old Testament times. Nations were often more city-states. So if you, if you kind of transpose that into um, modern-day Poconos, it would be like, you know, the city of Stroudsburg is its own nation. And then across that little creek is another nation called East Stroudsburg. And up that little hill is a, it's a city called Bartonsville. You know, the, each each town was its own nation, its own people. And while there was some connection between them and in their best moments, they would make alliances to protect one another and help one another and, and trade and do commerce, etc. Other times they were divided and their neighboring nations would be at war with them or at least threats of war. So imagine living with that. A, a threat of disruption to all of your life. Because when an army marches in, it doesn't matter what your plans are for today or next week or next month or next year if your house is destroyed, if you don't have a job to go to because there's everything was wiped out or people, worse yet, were, were killed or, or taken captive. When you have that kind of a threat in the, the, the backdrop of your mind, Turning to God and asking for peace is a lot different than what we're facing. Now, that's not to say it doesn't still happen in our world. What's it like to live in Ukraine right now? 
what's it like to wonder if one of those bombs from Russia is going to hit your town or your home? And so those people understand the way in which these psalms were written or the times that they were written into. They understand it in a, in a different kind of way than you and I do, but we also can get shaken up by political matters, the threats of war, the threats of civil war, and that kind of thing. So this morning as we look at this psalm, and that's what I'm going to do. We're going to take it a verse at a time. It's only 11 verses long. And I, I want us to see in that, kind of, kind of ask ourselves this question as we look at these verses. <clears throat> when life shakes you, remember. When life shakes you, think about this. And that's why this was written. <clears throat> the psalm was written, excuse me. It says in that little section at the beginning there, before the first verse, as many of the psalms do, it gives a note about either who wrote it or notes about the, to the musician. Apparently, many of the psalms were, were songs that were written, and these were the lyrics to those songs. Um, several of the psalms in the 40s, not all of them, and also in many in the, the later 80s, that is the, the numbers of the psalms, were written by the sons of Korah. We don't know exactly who that is. Uh, there were, the only other time you find the name Korah was a not so good moment in the history of Israel way back under Moses when there was a rebellion against God and against Moses. And there was Korah who was leading this among others. And he was destroyed, but his family lived on. So there was the Korites, and they're mentioned in, um, in Chronicles as being uh, participants in writing praise for uh, under, the, under the leadership of, I think it was when King Jehoshaphat, that's got to be my favorite king's name in all the Old Testament, Jehoshaphat, um, when he was praising God for a victory, there was people that wrote songs to have as this time of praise. And there, what was mentioned there was the sons of Korah, or Korites wrote them. So maybe that's who this is, all right? But just to, I, I point that out to say that to, quite often we rightly mention David in relation to the Psalms. Well, not only David wrote them. They were a collection of Psalms that I think primarily David was responsible for putting together. But he, and he wrote many of them, but there were other authors as well. But it's still in this same time of a violent world. And so the first verse says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. When life shakes you, remember that. Think about that. Refuge, strength. There is that, that, that place that you go to be safe. That, that strength to stand up against the, that which is against you. An ever-present help in trouble. Help isn't very much help if it's not there when you need it most. And so God is not the, the kind of help that just shows up when he feels like it. Might work out, might not, I'm not sure. God is ever-present help for us to turn to, to, to knowing that he is with us in times of trouble. So is, is that a helpful reminder to you? When, when something is shaking you up, and maybe even today there's something on your heart, your mind that just 
kind of a little disturbing or troubling, remember, our God is our refuge, our strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble, and he's present right now, today, on the 18th of December. You don't have to wait for Christmas Day. He's here now. Verses 2 and 3 say, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Natural disaster was just as present in the world in the day of the Psalms as it is today. It's usually a stretch to call a snowstorm a natural disaster. Um, it messes with our technology. It messes with our electricity sometimes. But usually a snowstorm isn't going to take life. Sometimes it does. Um, but when compared to a tornado, an earthquake, especially a very, a very large, uh, powerful earthquake, um, a hurricane, a tidal wave, What's really amazing to me is that while the world has obviously changed and continues to change in, in a very rapid kind of way, especially within the last century, our ability to stop a tornado is no different than it was 100 years ago or 200 years ago or 300 years ago or 1,000 years ago. We can't. We can't stop a tornado. We can avoid it. We can hopefully predict it better. We know it's coming. We're, we're more prepared for it, but we can't stop it. We can't stop a blizzard from coming. We can't stop an earthquake, and we don't know when they're coming, which is most scary about those for those that live near a fault line of some kind. And those are just a few of the natural disasters that still happen to, to humanity and for all of our advances, for all of our technology, for all of our science and understanding, in many, many good ways, we still can't stop that. So when life shakes you, when even nature shakes us, God is still there. God is still ready to help. And I think that's one of the things I do like about snowstorms. I like the fact that it stops life. And, and, and all of our busy plans... And it's inconvenient, and sometimes it causes troubles, but, but for the most part, it's, wait a minute, we really can slow down and just stay home for a day, and it's not going to hurt us. It's okay. Plans can get changed. Things can get rescheduled. And life can indeed go on after a storm. Even that horrible blizzard we had in 2018, where we lost electricity for a week, a week and a half, and that was hard. But what did we do? We helped each other. We made sure the people that didn't have a generator got a warm place to stay or you know, other ways. We, we, we managed. And I think it's good for us to um, have those reminders once in a while. The fourth and, fourth and fifth verse say this. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, a holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her and she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Most towns, most big cities, excuse me, are built next to rivers. Even uh, cities on the coast are usually at the mouth of a river that empties into the ocean, such as New York, 
the Hudson River, and there's the Atlantic Ocean. Why do we do that? Because there's a source of water, there's a way to travel with boats. This is why cities are built near rivers for the most part. Something about a river is life-sustaining, is um, life-giving. And, and, and the, 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 the river, while it looks the same, it's constantly changing. It's flowing. And when a river drops, it's, it's a big problem. It's a severe problem. And the, the drought in, in the west coast of our, of our country in some places is, is gotten so severe, you know, lakes are drying up. Um, so that, there's, that God has in his hands, in his plan, a place for us that we don't have to worry about that. The streams continue and nothing, it's never going to, going to fail, never going to, to fall. That's encouraging for us. That no matter how much we're suffering in this world from natural disaster or from disease or from whatever kind of trouble we're facing, what we're promised with God is a sustained and ever-sustained life with Him. And that can bring us more courage to continue to face the uncertainties of life here because we know that we are going to one day be welcomed into something that is eternal and sustaining for us. Verse 6 says, Nations are in her uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. Nations. I mentioned how they were city-states, but we, there's still hundreds of nations across our planet, and not all of them always get along with each other. And there can be troubles or wars or threats of war, other kinds of animosity between peoples. And kingdoms come and kingdoms go. And you don't have to be a history expert to know that, to understand that at, at a very basic level, that, that kingdoms, as, as mankind's development, have developed them, have a limited shelf life in the, in the, in the space of history. And what this reminds us is that ultimately... It's God who's in control of this planet, not the nations, not the empires, not even the greatest and most powerful empires throughout history are more powerful than God. And so we need to, to think of him before we think of, of our nation because he lifts his voice, the earth melts. I don't know if any of you have ever been near an, an active volcano, um, and Hawaii recently has had um, an eruption from one of their volcanoes. Uh, when I was in Guatemala, I did see a volcano that was smoking, but it wasn't spewing lava out of it. But that's a constant threat, another, another natural disaster. And that's what I thought of when I saw those words, the earth melts. And again, ultimately, God is in control of my situation. So whatever it is that has shaken me, I need to turn to God and trust Him to help me through it. The seventh verse, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. There again, military language, fortress. A place where you are, you are safe. You are prepared for battle. You are, you are ready for an attack because you, have, you are well fortified. Same root word as fortress. You are, you are prepared and when God Almighty is with us, um, notice here that 
he uses the, the word for God here, the, the God of Jacob. Throughout scripture, there are many different titles and ways to describe God because not any one word is sufficient to contain all that God is, all that God means. We use G-O-D in our language and whatever that might conjure up in your mind, that is partially true, but it's not everything. So that's why in scripture you have various words about God, various titles of God. And so... The psalmist here chose, in this verse, the God of Jacob is our fortress. So so what does that remind us of? Well, Jacob was a man that needed protection again and again in his life. And the, the key moment of his life was when he wrestled with God because his family was threatened. His entire, everything he had built over the years. He had many sons and, and, and animals and, and, um, and herds and, and possessions. And you know, most importantly, his, his family was threatened by his own brother. And he thought he was going to lose everything. And that's when he finally got serious about God. That's when he wrestled with God in prayer all night. And that's when God told him that I am with you. And your name will now be called Israel, the name of the nation that came from him. Israel means to wrestle with God, to struggle with God, God with us. And so the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Jacob knew that he had had no fortress. That time Esau was going to attack, but he had God. And that was more important. And that was his strength. What kind of fortress have you built in your life? What is, is your, you have all of these backup plans and here's, here's what I'll do in case this happens and I have insurance in case this happens and I, I'm ready to go in case this happens. Well, what about if you run out of in cases? What if you run out of the options and you're down to plan G or, or F or Z or AA and it's, it's not happening, it, 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 it isn't working out for you. God is your ultimate fortress. God is is the one who's there for us through absolutely everything. It's we that forget that. The eighth verse said, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. Here's a picture of uh, tornadoes and lightning happening. And uh, again, the the desolation that can happen from nature is is more powerful than, than what mankind can do, although nuclear weapons can come pretty close, but... Um, it's God, again, who's ultimately in charge. And what this reminds us of is, as you flow into the next verse, he makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. So the desolations that God brings isn't an army. God doesn't make see the armies of, of, of the world and say, well, I'm going to make a bigger army and send those on my behalf. God doesn't need the army. And what I like here is that the desolation that he brings is the war will cease. You think wars are the most important power in the world? He would say to the earth, earth's leaders and those who think war is the only way through, the only option that they have, well, we'll just do away with war. Shatter the the spear, burn the shield, break the bow, because you don't need those weapons. 
That's what God is saying. Ultimately, our, our dependency can't be upon the weapons and the fortress. Now again, we don't live in, in a world where we have the kind of fortress that the psalmist would have been thinking of, but what do we think of? Well, in the United States of America, we need a strong military. Why? Well, because we've got to be safe. From what? From who? Well, there's evil out there. There's, there's uh, uh, terrorists out there. Okay. And, and, and I get that. I'm not saying you shouldn't have an army, but our first dependence shouldn't be on that. Because arms races never stop. They just get bigger and bigger and bigger and more expensive. And it creates in us, at worst, a, a false sense of security. As if nothing can happen to us because we have X number of soldiers and X number of weapons and jet fighters and nuclear weapons. Therefore, we are now safe, are we? I mean, you think about that. You, if that's the measure of security and safety in the plan, on our planet right now, then you should all feel really safe and go home and relax tonight and never worry about a thing if that's what you're depending on. Do you all feel that way? <laughs> if our dependence is on the nation and the army. So God shatters all of that, shatters the illusion that our safety comes from that. And helps us to depend first and foremost upon him. Which then brings us to those great words in the first part of the 10th verse. Be still and know that I am God. Quiet the weapons. Quiet the war talk. Quiet the, the violence. Quiet your heart. Quiet your mind. Get still and know that God is your ultimate fortress. God is your ultimate power. God is ultimately with you. We're going to come back to those words in a moment. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Exalted is a word that is, is a, a lifting up. You look up to it. It's powerful. It's strong. And, and, and you praise that. And we, and we lift up and exalt and applaud things in our world today that quite often we shouldn't, or at least we overdo it. Stadiums are filled applauding athletes. Great, they do a good job. I like football. I like basketball. It's fun to watch. But do we overdo it? I think to some extent we certainly do. What do we exalt? Again, going back to the ancient world, the way... Most people thought of God or gods was that God is up there, out there. We worship him, and hopefully God's going to send us something good from way up in the clouds, way up in the cosmos, and then life's going to get better for us. Thank you, God, for bringing us something good. Amen. Well, this verse reminds us that Although we exalt God, there's that same idea of lifting up, looking up to, exalted among the nations. No matter what nation you're a part of, God needs to be exalted above the power of that nation, above your dependency of that nation, above the security that you think you have because your nation is strong, or the security you don't have and the fear that, that follows that. God needs to be exalted in all nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. 
That's almost the opposite of the word exalt because you think up, but where's the earth? It's down here at our feet. I will be exalted on the earth reminds me that the ground at my feet is where God provided for us. That that same ground, this is just that dirt grows things so we have food. That ground even deeper when dug into draws water so we have something to drink. Those plants that grow produce oxygen so that we have air to breathe. I will be exalted in the earth tells me that God is here. That God has provided right here, right now, among my nation, in the earth, not just the God up there that I hope is paying attention somehow is going to enter into. He's here now. The most beautiful word associated with this holiday that we're celebrating to me is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Not God out there beyond, hoping that he comes down and gives us something good, but God with. Yes, he did give us something good. He gave us Jesus, and he stayed. And his spirit stayed. And his spirit's with us. He is in us, not apart from us. That's such an important distinction to make because even as people who, if you're like me, you, you grew up going to church, you were taught the Bible, taught the stories, there is still something in the human nature that, that wants to push God into the cosmos only, separate from here. But God is not just out there, out there. He is with us right now. And that reminder then comes in the last verse. The Lord Almighty is indeed with us. The God of Jacob, repeating that again, is our fortress. So I don't know what's shaking your life right now. I hope these verses are helpful in some way as reminders to to, to step back for a moment. And and we're going to close this message today with a moment of prayer. And um, we're going to take these words from uh, from the 10th verse, uh, be still and know that I am God, and say them as a prayer, but say them in a very kind of slow and, and a good and methodical sort of way. So this is going to be a repeat after me prayer. So we'd, let's, let's bow our heads together and just say, follow what I say. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Be still. Be still and know. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I am God. Amen.